0: Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! The title of my message is, If We Are Not Advancing, Then What Are We Even Doing? Because too many times we prioritize traditions and nostalgia over several things. We prioritize tradition and nostalgia over God's heart, over the gospel, over the Great Commission, and over advancing the kingdom of God. You know, Abba's heart empathizes for humanity. Abba's heart empathizes for humanity, aka the creator loves his creation. All right, we know this. Why the simplest truth easy is because the creator, God, Abba, he sent his son to, to live our life, to take on our debt. He sent our son to go to, to go to the store called Our Life, take everything, our debt, all of our sins, all the things that we inherited, put them on the conveyor belt and charge it to himself, sw- swipe his card, and then three days later we see that it was accepted and it was approved. All right. So we have proof that Abba loves us because he sent his son Jesus. But also today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 12 because we're going to see what Jesus does when his people are in need. And remember this. This is something the Lord showed me months ago back when we were still in Florida. Whenever we read the Gospels and see Jesus doing something, Jesus told us to not just see that it's him, but see that it's his father doing it as well. Because he said, I don't do anything outside of God. I don't do anything outside of my father. So when I say, let's uh, open up Matthew 12 verses 1 through 8 and see what Jesus is doing, it's not just see what Jesus is doing, but also we're going to see what the Father is doing. And if the Father does it, Jesus does it. And if Jesus does it, that means the Father wants it to be done. Amen. Amen. So in verse one, Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 through 8, In the New Living Translation, um, verse 1 says, At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. Verse 2 But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Jesus said to them, "Have you read? Haven't you read in the Scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Verse four: He went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. Verse five: And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the uh, that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple." but you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of the scripture i want you to know was it verse still in verse seven i want you to show mercy not offer sacrifices for the son of man is lord even over the sabbath so i want to break that down for a minute in matthew chapter 12 verses one through eight but in verse one literally jesus says or the scripture says, about that time Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. If you're like me, have you ever worked at the end of the day or worked so hard that when it's time to go to Walmart, you're just so hungry, you're willing to grab anything off the shelf and you just throw it in the cart. By the time you get home, you realize you have stuff in the cart that like, man, I would not be eating this. I would never eat this. But you're so hungry, you're just grabbing everything. I remember when we lived in Cleveland. uh, Cleveland was a good uh, experiment for me. Obviously, I got my beautiful wife out of Cleveland, and uh, I got to know the Lord more intimately. But uh, in the days before Kelsey, in the days before I got, I fully committed to getting serious about Jesus. I remember Sundays were our favorite, me, T, Peyton, and Nick. Sundays were our favorite because we found out that at Sam's, I don't know if it's still this way now, but at Sam's on Sundays we called it uh, we called it Sample Sunday. Everybody say Sample Sunday. Sample Sunday. Sample Sunday, Sample Sunday. So at Sam's, obviously way way before COVID, you could go to Sam's and there were so many stations, Granny, with samples of food and drinks because you know they wanted you to buy it, but the samples were free. All right, samples were free. So to a college student, that's you had me at free. All right, you had me at free and you know it's Sam so you have you already have my best intention at heart because we all know Sam's is the step up from Walmart. You know, you go in Sam's you're like, "Whoo, you know, oh Walmart's got a, a older brother that's, you know, that's got his life together. Okay, awesome, cool." <laughs> so that's that's how I feel when I go in some Sam's. There's a few Sam's where I'm like, "Ooh, that's all right, this is the that's that one one. That's that one that, you know, we still praying for, it. but for the most part, Sam's is the older brother that's got the life together, and you're like, all right. So we would go to Sam's, and we'd get free samples of everything every Sunday, and it was it was a habit. So much we went there so much that people actually recognized us, like, oh hey boys, we're like hey. <laughs> one, one I even remember one guy telling us, oh they moved they moved one particular station over towards the back, so we went straight there, we made our rounds or whatever, just you know go back. So. But that's what's going on in verse 1. The disciples are so hungry that as they're walking through the grain field, literally they're pulling the grains and splitting them open and eating them because they are that hungry because they have worked before or worked, you know, that long. And in verse 2 we see it says, But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested, telling Jesus, Look at your disciples. Um, They are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Now, the reason they said this is because according to the Mosaic law, you couldn't work on the Sabbath. But here's, here's, the, here's the bigger issue. The Pharisees had created so many additional regulations and introduced so many scenarios to the way of the Sabbath was handled. And in the Pharisees' mind, picking the grain was equivalent to harvesting, and harvesting was work. Therefore, they were working on the Sabbath, therefore making Jesus a lawbreaker. But I want you to notice something. Even though the Mosaic Law was given— the, literally, the commentary says that we, it said that Pharisees and man had added on to those laws. See, they're, 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 there's nothing wrong with following Jesus. There's nothing wrong with following the commands of God. The issue is when we add our own, when we add our own onto what God has done. You know, if, uh, if I put, uh, if Kelsey, if Kelsey, you know, um, she knows, she, for example, when it's time to get the boys ready, most of the time I'll do the clothes or whatever. I might, you know, change the pull-up. Uh, underwear, all those different things, but when it comes to the hair, I don't care. The hair, I don't care. You can remember that. Lindsey, when it comes to the l- hair, Lindsey just don't care. I don't care. They, you know, it's there, it's there. But she has a standard of how she wants their hair to be. So most time, I'll take care of the bottoms, and she does the hair. So if she were to do the hair, the standard has already been set. Now the issue would be if I came home like, you know what, I'm going to add my own. I'ma, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this and do that. Why? Because the standard has already been set, and that is something we agreed to. With the Mosaic Law, the standard was already set, but the problem was man being true man added their own rules and their own traditions and their own regulations to it. Now, in verse 3 and 4, Jesus said to them, Haven't you read in the Scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. So basically what Jesus is saying is because the Pharisees were like, "You, your guys, they are breaking the law. They are eating on the Sabbath. They're working on the Sabbath. And Jesus reminds them of 1 Samuel chapter 21 and verses 1 through 6. You don't have to turn that. I'm just going to paraphrase. But Jesus reminds them within the scripture. He says, do you not remember when David and his companions in their hunger, David begged the priest for the leftover bread that was only meant for the priest? So, Jesus reminded them, they're saying, Jesus, you guys are breaking the law by eating and working on the Sabbath. And Jesus, is like, don't you remember when David and his men, out of their hunger, they begged the priest for something that was only reserved for the priest? So, why was this an issue? Because in Exodus 25, God gave instructions to Moses to make a table constructed of a certain type of wood and gold. On the table, the priest would lay, uh, the priest was to put the bread of presence. Everybody say, the bread of presence. So imagine this table, all right, the priest, he, he comes and he puts the bread of presence on the table. And the bread of presence, what it was, it was, it was 12 loaves of bread representative of the 12 tribes of Israel. And this bread, it was to only be eaten by the priest because the priest was the only one that was anointed in that time. All right. And the bread was to be replaced at every service. The old was to be disposed, not not given to, you know, the community, not given to the church in its door. You know, hey, this bread's about to expire. Here you go. No, no, no. God's strict instructions was this is for the priest. Change it out every service. If you have multiple services a day, that means you got to change out all 12 loaves. That's a lot of work. And once you take the old 12 loaves, you can't give them to everybody, but you have to dispose of them. Now, this the bread of presence demonstrated God's provision. It demonstrated one God's provision, and the bread also symbolized um, someone who would arrive on the scene later in history, the true bread of God, a.k.a. Jesus, the bread of life. So back to Matthew chapter 12. So what Jesus literally is saying is back then they made an exception for David out of his hunger. They broke the tradition and broke the rule. Why? Because David was in need and Jesus is literally saying, not only back then did they break the, break the law, break the tradition because creation was in need, now Jesus is saying, several hundred years later, I'm doing the same. I'm breaking the tradition. I'm breaking the law. Why? Because my creation is in need, which shows us several things. It shows us that, that Jesus is more interested in serving those that are in need versus upholding traditions jesus son of god god in the flesh is more interested in serving those that are in need versus upholding religious traditions i'm gonna say that one more time jesus is more interested in serving those that are in need versus upholding religious traditions L- the devil loves to remind us of what we haven't done when it's time to come to jesus the devil loves to remind us man you didn't sh- you missed out on the scripture the other day you know sister elita is going to ask you how many scriptures you read you you got zero you got zero scriptures read or tch, man, you didn't tithe enough. You didn't you didn't you didn't serve man, you you had to work the other night when they were cleaning. Why you why are you about to go to the Lord in prayer? Why are you about to take it to the Lord in prayer? The devil loves to remind us of what we haven't done. You know why? This ain't even in the notes. You know why he loves to remind you of what you haven't done? Because he's scared of what you can do. Mm. He is scared of what you can do. Why? Because if we can understand whose we are, if we can understand whose we are, then we wouldn't be afraid of a thing. In fact, in the, in the, in the end of times, if you look at Revelations, there's a scripture where it literally says, as we are being called up to heaven, literally the Bible, the scripture says that we look and we see the accuser of the brethren. And then in, and in the scripture says that the person asks the Lord, is, is this him? Is this the one that caused the world so much grief? Is this the one that caused me so much turmoil? Why? Because if we were to realize whose we were in comparison to Satan, in comparison to the devil, we would, be, we would be astronomically surprised on how big we truly are, how strong we truly are, how wise we truly are, how powerful we truly are. Well, Lindsay, that doesn't help me when it comes down to paying bills. It should. It should because it should point us back to Jesus, and it should put our leniency back on Jesus. I fully believe one of the reasons that God said for us to be more like children is because when Kellen and Keenan need something, they come to daddy, for the most part. Now, they're in the stage, y'all pray for us, they're in the stage where Kellen likes to handle stuff for himself, and I'm all about that. I'm all about staying ready, and you know what? My heart's saved, but my hands ain't, but at the same time, Kellen, I have to remind Kellen, like, that's daddy's job, all right? But watch this. We're about to preach all this. That's daddy's job. You know, when it comes to Taking care of brother? No, that's daddy's job. You just be you, Kellen. Kellen, you just be Kellen not Melton. Daddy will take care of the rest. And so many times in life, we try to step in the role of God. We try to step in the role of God. We try to fit other people. We try, to, we try to hold people up to a religious standard that we don't meet ourselves. And at the end of the day, Abba is just saying, I just need you to be you. I will take care of the rest. Trust me, I'm reminded of that every time I talk to my mom. We have to allow Abba. We have to allow God to take care of the rest. Amen? Amen. But understand this point. Jesus is more interested in serving those that are in need versus upholding religious traditions. So here's my first question. Who is Cooper's Grove? Who as a church are we more like in that story? Are we like Jesus forsaking tradition in order to meet the needs of those hungry or hurting? Or or, or by our actions, are we more like the ones prioritizing their self-made inherited traditions above God's creations? In that story, are we more like Jesus saying, hey, do, do you remember when the law was broken for David because these people are in need? Guess what? My people are in need, so therefore I am providing for them. Are we more like that? Or are we on the other side saying, pointing, hey, hey, you're not doing this right. It's not looking this way. It's not sounding this way. It doesn't, it doesn't smell this way. What do our actions say about us advancing God's kingdom? What does our action say about advancing God's kingdom? When, when I say advancing the kingdom of God, I'm not talking about growing a church, but I'm talking about, the, I'm talking about uh, uh, getting souls saved, adding souls to the kingdom of God, because there's a difference. Do I want the church to grow? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do I, would I love to see more musicians in the church? Oh, Yes. Would I, would I love to see uh, more people it's uh, greeting as we come in? Yes. Would I love to see the parking lot full? Yes. Would I love to see a playground for Kellen? Because he, that's the first thing he asked, where's the playground? Yes. But at the same time, all these different things should be a byproduct of us focusing on transforming the community. Amen. Cooper's Grove is in Lexington for a reason. Amen. And the fact that we're in the county means, guess what? We're responsible for the county and the city. Amen. Oh! Yes. That means that God is entrusted, watch this, God has entrusted the person that you see in the mirror to transform the county and the city for the glory of God. And as we, as we go to people that are in need, as we show them, any, you think about this. McDonald's has it, they are very smart. McDonald's is horrible on my stomach. If you agree, just say amen. If you don't, it's all good. McDonald's is horrible on my stomach, but you know what it's great at? It is great for my wallet. Oh, my wallet loves some McDonald's. All right, if Kellen and Keenan like, if they were like, "Daddy, we want states from Outback," I'm like, "Well, you see their son. Uh, let me let me let me tell you a little something. Let, let, let's have a little talk." But if they're like, "Can we get some Happy Meals?" Oh, oh yes, yeah, we get some Happy Meals. Like, come on, what what? Why what, buckle up? We waiting on you, kid. Like. Daddy's ready to go. Happy meal, what? Seven bucks, $7.48. I don't know what it is down here yet, but $7.48, I had it to a science, Miranda. $7.48. They'd be like, $7.48? I already got it ready. (laughs) Well, you know, you, all right? Stick your hand out. Here we go. So it's great on my wallet, but McDonald's is very smart. The reason I say that is um, because they have their price point at something that the community can afford. Now, may not be the greatest but they, they, they are able to reach the community. Why, because they have their price point at something that everybody else can reach. It's not at this high level, and you know what you're getting. You pay for what you get, all right? Whether it's now or in the restaurant, you're gonna pay for what you get. But at the end of the day, the community, not just Lexington, but all around the world, there's more McDonald's than any other fast food restaurant. Why, because they have put their price point at something that they can reach. Watch this, we are the church. David instructed us and anybody else that reads his, his psalms and says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So therefore, we have something that tastes better than McDonald's. But unfortunately, we, not just Cooper's Grove, but we as the bride of Christ have put Jesus at such a high price point that a lot of people were turned off by it. And we had to recognize and say, okay, what, what does our community truly need? Okay, well, Lindsay, they need Jesus. Okay, well, how do we bridge the gap? How do we bridge the gap? We do that by saying, okay, what, wh- wh- what's the, where, where's the biggest need at in the community? Or maybe not the biggest need, where is the need at in the community? And we, the church, we go and do it, not, not in hopes of, you know, when they're like, oh, why'd you do this? Oh, because I go to Cooper's Grove. Oh, baby, I go to Cooper's Grove. That's why I did it. No, 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 we do it. And when they ask, why did you do this? You say, I did it because there is a God who took time to send his son and live the same life that I am living, go through the same stuff I've been through and go through the same stuff you've been through, and he transformed my life. And because I love him and I'm so grateful that he's did it, I'm here transforming your life as an extension of him. And guess what? When they see Jesus, the byproduct will be more growth in the church. The byproduct will be more more growth in the community. But at the end of the day, the first the first things first is Jesus tackled those who were needy, those who were in need. So but God's kingdom, God's agenda has to come first. So therefore, unfortunately, we live in a day and age where programs within a church can lead towards it can do programs within the church can do two things. It can lead towards people submitting their lives to Abba and making Jesus their Lord, or programs and aesthetics and relationships in the church unfortunately can strengthen their misguided desire to remain apart from God. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. Therefore, every event we plan, every song we sing, every, every extracurricular service we do, not just us, but the church as a whole. When I say the church as a whole, I mean everybody that is worshiping Jesus on a Sunday morning. Therefore, every component we add or take away to the Sunday morning experience should be filtered by one question. And that question is, does this help add to the kingdom of God? Does this help encourage people to make jesus lord of their life or is this just ah you know i I like the color blue so we're just gonna do it blue or i like the color red tiger town red so we're just gonna no 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 before and there's nothing wrong painting the rooms red and blue there's nothing wrong with ushers there's nothing wrong with a and b selections and all these different things but at the same time we have to ask ourselves when we're planning these things in our service we have to say is this something that's going to help those that are coming is this going to help advance them into the kingdom of God is this going to help them accept Jesus as Lord and Savior or is this going to be something that just strengthens their their uh, separation from God altogether and if it's of the latter then that means that we have to swallow our pride and say okay well if it's if it's of the latter then what is that thing that's going to help them because as a parent, as a parent, there are several days I'm having to ask, and Kelsey is great. The Lord is working great through Kelsey to remind me. There are several things that I can do with Kellen that I can't do with Keenan. Not because Keenan's better, not because Kellen's better, because they are two different individual kids, and there will be things that I can do with both of them that I can't do with Cohen. Why? Because he is an indi- he's his own child. He's his own person doesn't mean that one is better than the other it means that you know what? as the parent i have to be wise enough or better yet i don't have to be wise enough i have to be humble enough to ask god okay god the bible says that you knew them before i knew them so what's going to work best with kenan what's going to work best with kellen what's going to work best with cohen and i have to swallow my pride and say okay i may not know it all but i know the one that does there's nothing wrong with saying okay i may I, i don't have the answer so let me go to the answer And so many times we we get we we get afraid that people will see less of us if we don't know the answer. But I've noticed that Kellen respects me more that I'm able to find out the answer. In fact, sometimes he's even if he asks me something, it's like, "Daddy, what's this?" I'm like, "I don't know." He'll be like, "Well, ask Siri." I'm like, "I don't want to ask Siri." Like don't worry about Siri. You know, I pay I pay Siri every month, so really I'm the one telling Siri to search for it. So see, it should go back to me. So that's that's just my petty self. But at the end of the day, he has recognized that if you don't know something, then ask. And so many times we try to handle things ourselves instead of asking God. Amen. But growth it never looks exciting. Growth never looks exciting. Growth. Never looks at a Perfect example is who in here loves driving all the way around town to get to Big Cat's? Anybody love driving? Anybody love driving all the way around town just to get to Scott's Barbecue or Walmart? At first, when, when Mom and Dad told me about that, where I was moving. I was like, I won't be that bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, come last Sunday, you know, oh, we're going go to go Big Cat's. Okay. Oh, man. Can't go that way. Okay, you know, we're gonna go over the hills. The boys, they love going over the hills. In fact, my favorite hill that I loved going over, back when we had the white van, um, that just happens to be the same one as Kelly and Keena love. So it just goes to show, you know, it's passed through the genetics. But we're driving, and we're driving, and we're driving, and we're driving. Finally, we get to the main highway. Keena's like, are we there yet? Oh, no, son. We are not there. We are far from there, buddy. We got a couple speed traps to get through few red lights to go through and then we will be at our destination but growth is never exciting however um, the best way to look at growth is a temporary discomfort that will produce an exponential reward growth is never exciting but the best way to look at growth is it is a temporary discomfort that will produce an exponential reward why because uh, pastor alita said it last sunday she said we have six months till the bypass is ready That means that we have six months of driving full circles to get to where we want to. But that means after six months, we will have plenty of people coming past this way, seeing the church. That means the foot traffic. Listen, I'm only 32 years old, but that means that we will have in six months, we will have more foot traffic, more eyes passing the church than the history of the church ever being in this one spot. Not because things are better or not because things were worse, just because we're in a season of growth. But growth doesn't look fun. Growth doesn't feel fun. Growth doesn't sound fun. But at the same time, it is a t- temporary discomfort that is going to produce something greater in the end. So what temporary discomforts are we willing to undergo in order to be the hands and feet that Jesus meant for us to be? I want you to ask yourself that question. What temporary discomforts are we willing to undergo in order to be the hands and feet that Jesus meant for us to be? Because originally I, I wanted to title this message, The Hands and Feet of Jesus Should Have Calluses, Not polish. Because when it comes to the best, the best way they taught us at Norval Hayes is ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. Amen. It's not spelled A and B selections. It's not spelled um, all these different things. It's spelled W-O-R-K. It's work. Mm-hmm. Reflecting Jesus in the town of Lexington is work. Amen. Amen. Not going off on people that do you wrong is work. Not. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, um, Not 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 telling people where they should go when they cut you off in traffic is work. All right. Talking to myself. Not not um, not holding uh, not judging people is work. Not all the following Christ is W.O.R.K. It's not easy street. It's not easy street. It's not putting your feet up in the Lazy Boy. I'm not saying all these things are bad. I love to put my feet up in the Lazy Boy recliner. But at the end of the day, if if somebody said, what's it like following Jesus? Well, it's work. It's work. It's, It's a conscious choice. When I get up in the morning, okay, I have to choose to read my scripture, my one scripture. I have to choose to read that before I check my notifications. It's a constant choice of when I go to Food Giant and somebody cuts me off in line, even though Everybody and their mother knew I was in the first place in the line, but somebody cuts me off. It's a conscious choice of me humbling up and just letting them go and recognizing, you know what? They're irritated for a reason. What's going on in their life? God, is there anything you want me to do to help them? Following Jesus is work. It's W-O-R-K. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll end with this, but our outreach template needs to be more like Fred Rogers and less like Walt Disney. Now, Let me give some context before we get into this. I'm a huge fan of Disney. I like Disney. You know, Lion King is king. All right. Lion King and Toy Story, number one movies and everything else. Well, you know, stand where you stand. Okay. I'm just saying there's a reason they keep making Toy Story because it's just that good, baby. (laughs) All right. So, but at the same time, I remember being a kid over at Granny's house, sitting in her room, watching TV and watching Mr. Rogers. And I for some reason, I loved it. It wasn't as glamorous as Walt Disney wasn't as glamorous as Dragon Ball Z, yes, I said it. It wasn't as glamorous as um, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It wasn't as glamorous as all these other things, but there was just something about Mr. Rogers, and I found this article last year. Yeah, it was last year when we, we, uh, we spent Christmas there, and then as we was coming home, if you've ever been to Disney World, there's this sadness that comes over you. Um, you know, and the sadness because for us, I'm, I'm just gonna speak from experience, the sadness, and even though when we was down there, we only lived an hour and so many minutes away, but as we're driving back to the apartment, me and Kelsey both talked about this, but there's just this sadness like, oh man, it's over. Oh, we're going back to reality. Oh, we gotta clean our own dishes. Oh, you know, we gotta pick up our own trash. Oh, you know, we gotta put the kid we now we have to put the kids to bed at the right time. You know, before they can stay up to ten and the excuse will be, Oh well, you know, the rides were long, you know, it's Disney World. Whoa, you know. <laughs> now we resp- now we have to go back to the real world. And in this article, I remember, I think it was, I think Kelsey the one that found it and sent it to me and I read it or she read it on the way back and it just made so much sense. But as a church, as this church, our outreach template needs to be more like Fred Rogers and less like Walt Disney. Because when you look at the esthetics of the two kingdoms they both built, they reflect how each saw the world. Walt, Walt's world was a perfect version of what our world should look like. His world is shiny songs playing everywhere. It's a small world out there, all, all the things. Every restaurant serves chicken strips and hot dogs and fries. Now that, that would probably be my, my one complaint. Like when I go to a magic castle, like if we're going to keep with the aesthetics, go up in there, I'm expecting like a turkey leg, or i or say, I ain't trying to do all that. But you know, every restaurant serves chicken strips, hot dogs, and pizza and fries. I kid you not. We go, we could be at one one park one day and the next park the other day, same menu. Yeah. Same menu. Different colors. Yeah. But the pizza's still right there. Pizza, hot dogs. So, but you know, as a parent, at least I knew that when it came time for lunch, like, okay, we did chicken strips yesterday. <laughs> this restaurant over here ain't no surprise surprise, chicken strips, pizza, hot dogs, and fries. So, all right, Kellen, can you all add chicken strips? you say what you want, fries, pizza, what do you want, because, you know, ain't nothing changing. So, <laughs> ain't, ain't nothing changing. But every restaurant in Disney World, it serves chicken strips, hot dogs, fries, and pizza. There's never any dust. There's never any chip paint. Excellence and creativity abound. Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers' world, was simple, even plain. His puppets showed wear and tear. His set grew old along with himself, two worlds trying to reach the same kids. The two kingdoms they built were a result of two visions of the world. Walt created a world that was an escape from the real world. Fred lived in a neighborhood and showed kids how to navigate through the real world. I'm gonna say that one more time. Walt created a world that was an escape from our current reality, an escape from Lexington. And and as I'm reading this article, there's nothing wrong with Walt Disney. But I want to highlight what Mr. Rogers did because I fully agree with this and I fully believe that if we can model some of this, we're going to see transformation in the community, which is a byproduct. Or, And as transformation in the community happens, a byproduct will be the church will grow. But as Walt created a, an escape from the community of Lexington, Fred lived in a neighborhood and showed kids how to navigate through Lexington. See, as the salt and light of the world, guess what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be the ones who show Lexington how to navigate through the real world. Show Henderson County how to navigate through the real world. Walt built a fantasy world, Fred lived in the neighborhood. There's nothing wrong with fantasy. Some of the greatest Christian authors are are fictional authors like uh, C.S. Lewis. But Walt's world on the whole is an escape from reality, sustained by entertainment. You enter the park and you enter the world as it should be, as it should be. No trash on the ground, no gum on the sidewalks, no tears in any eye. It's perfect. Hallelujah. You go in there, you just, you just, just smells better. You know, it's perfect. It plays to our right desire for a better world. It reminds us in miniature form that our world, the real world, is a shadow. And our heart longs for a perfect world free of sin and pain. It reminds us of, I'm not trying to be super spiritual, but it reminds me of heaven. It reminds me of 10% of heaven, like, you know what? (sighs) And then to leave and go back, like, ah, you know. (laughs) But Fred's world had had fantasy elements in it, but Fred never lied. He said, we are going to the land of make-believe. And you travel on the little train through the tunnel, and you see all the worn and wear and tear puppets. But you knew where you was going. You knew at this point, this is make-believe. Fred lived in a neighborhood that looked like ours. His set was old, his puppets were tired, but he connected with kids in a way few others have. Mr. Rogers had friends come by who struggled with difficult issues like divorce, death, physical disability, and even race. He didn't create an alternate universe by which we we could escape from. He lived in a house and told kids what Maple Leaf was happening. He used fairy tales to smuggle truth. Walt entertained kids. Fred empowered kids. Mm. Wall entertained, Fred empowered. I'm a, uh, you got to let that marinate. Wall entertained, Fred empowered. Fred's idea was different. He was not driven by flash, but by substance. He was not about entertainment, he was about incarnation. The incarnated word of God is Jesus. Mr. Rogers showed us that loving our neighbor matters. Mm, kind of sounds like what Jesus asked us to do, which was love God and love our neighbor. Fred showed us that loving our neighbor well, that's what matters. And guess what? We must be more obsessed with who we are becoming and not just about more people coming. As a church, we have to be more obsessed about who, what, am, am I becoming more like Christ? Is, is, does my conversation sound more like Christ? I'm not talking about the these, thus, and thous. But I'm talking about we don't see in the scriptures where Jesus fired shots at people. Like verbally, and you gotta understand, I used to be a youth pastor, so I'm trying to adjust my lingo. But firing shots mean we don't see Jesus um, um, snapping at people. We don't see Jesus have, you know, even a low level of pettiness talking to myself. You know, we don't see Jesus do these things. So therefore, we must be obsessed with who are we becoming versus more people versus more people coming to the church. Because guess what? We are in the perfect stage right now to where we can, tra- we can allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. And once we are transformed, because you understand this, nobody ever went to McDonald's when they were in construction. Why? Because the building was closed. They did not want you to see the, the nails and the hammers and the dust and all these different things. They waited till they had the finished product. Well, guess what? We are in a, in a mode of construction. Yes, people are allowed to come, but still you got to look at it as, don't look at it as, oh, the church is empty. Oh, you know, we only have this many or oh, all, all these. No, 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 no. Oh, man, we are. Sh- look at this blank canvas. Oh, look at the paint that Jesus is acquiring. Oh, he's about. Oh, look, at, look, look at all the different paintbrushes he's about to use to paint the thing that he wants oh, look what he's about to do, oh, look at, man, that's, look at all those canvases, oh, is he about to build a museum with all these blank canvases that he is doing? We have to shift our mindset and look at this different. I remember a couple weeks ago, I was going out to get, uh, to get our guilty pleasure, which is a cup of ice with Coke and a Hershey bar, cup of ice, Hershey bar, so I was going out to get our guilty pleasures, and as I'm driving, it's like, you know, it's like nine forty-eight, so I'm trying to hurry. Cause growing up, I remember the town shuts down at ten. You know, <laughs> town shuts down at ten. Lin, you better hurry. You better get what you got, to get, cause you ain't gonna get to you know next morning. So I'm like, you know, trying to trying to drive at the same time. I know the the city slickers and the county mounties are out, so I ain't trying to give them a reason. All right, so pull up in Sonic, and you know, as I as I hit the button, you know, or whatever, I'm waiting for them to bring my order. I just look, and I see the most beautiful thing. You know what I see? I see Sonic is full of people. Not just anybody, but people that I did not know. And I'm just looking, I'm like, where did all these people come? And then like, I started to get excited, I was like, and it just flipped, it had to have been God. And out of my mouth, the next thing was, look at this harvest. Like, oh, look at this harvest. Look at that family over there. Oh man, look at these teenagers working Sonic. Oh my God, look, I'm like, God. Look at this harvest. Look at all these people, all these lives that you want to transform for your glory. Not because you just want to make the biggest church in town, but look at all these people that you want to help heal. Look at all these people that you want to help mend. Look at all these hearts that you want to fit. Look at all these lives that you want to transform. Look at all the smiles that you want to create on a daily basis. And as I'm sitting there, so much joy is bubbling up, not because I see a full Cooper's Grove, but because I see a town that is being transformed by the glory and the transformation power of jesus and because he does that through us guess what the byproduct is the church will be full the parking lot will be full playground in the back or wherever it is but it only happens when we prioritize advancing god's kingdom first advancing god's kingdom first it's not in the notes but I, the reason i say mcdonald's has the most fast food restaurants out of anybody, out of any company is because they recognize where are people at financially, and that's where we reach. Amen. That's where we reach. If we extend our hand at a level that they're able to obtain, then they will grab a hold. Faith, faith in its purest in in, in, in its purest definition is you having a firm persuasion, a firm grip of who God is, who he said he was, and who he said he will always be. And true faith is you not letting go of that grip that you have of God, no matter what is happening, no matter who is happening, no matter who says what, no matter what happens, no matter when it happens. True faith is just us gripping a firm persuasion Mm -hmm. that Jesus is who he said he is. And I fully believe that we will grow, but at the end of the day, we have to see ourselves as the hands and feet of Jesus. A.K.A. we should be having calluses, not polish. What I mean by that is the hands and feet of Jesus should have calluses. It should look like it's been working. And, it, and not just look like it's been working. The reason it looks like it's been working is because it's been working. So that means tomorrow, now that you have been, now that you know you are the hands and feet of Jesus, tomorrow when you go to work, guess what? You need, you need, you need, a, you need to ask somebody, especially that coworker that you're like, oh, my God, i got to work with this person again. But instead, before you even had that thought, you need to be like, you know what? Just under your breath, like, God, you know I don't like this person. You know I can't stand them. But guess what, God? You created them. So that means that they serve a purpose. So, Lord, what can I do as an extension of you to help them? And that's hard. It's hard because there's people in my life. Me and Kelsey, we talk about this, and she's better than me. I, I the Lord's working on me. I have that one list, that one, that one blessing list. We'll call it that. You know, that if you're like, if God's like, Lindsay, I want you to bless him. I'm like, oh, I, all right, I, let's bless him. You know, like, and if you ain't picking up the, the the hand motions, then you know what I mean by the blessing. If God was like, Lindsay, I n- I need you to be the hands and feet and bless. Somebody, that I'm like, oh, I, I got the list, Lord. I'm ready. Lord, use me. All right, five-fold knuckle-shuckle. That's all I'm saying. But even, but even as reflection of Jesus, if I'm going to reflect Jesus, if I'm going to be his hands and feet, I have to do away with that list. Or better yet, here's where it really hurts. Can I, can I tell you where it really hurts? I have to look at that list, and instead of blessing them, I have to bless them. Instead of blessing them, I have to pray over them. Pray for them. Better yet, here's where it's really gonna hurt. I have to intercede for them. And see, interceding isn't just a one-time thing. The Bible's, when the Bible says that Jesus intercedes on the right hand of God, He intercedes for us. It doesn't just to say, "Oh, He prays for us one time." No, no, He's constantly interceding. As the seconds are adding up, He like He doesn't stop praying for us. He doesn't stop pleading for us. His blood that was shed on the cross doesn't take a day off, a second off, an hour off, a millisecond. You know, as parents, sometimes we just need that. That We go to the bathroom, just need that. <sighs> Kids are screaming outside. <sighs> I'll be at work. I got to take a bathroom break. Work's going crazy, but we just, <sighs> no, guess what? Even though we have to take that, the blood of Jesus doesn't have to take that moment. Because it can't afford to take that moment. Why? Because are we, uh, we are in something that the blood of Jesus has to continue to work for us. But now that we recognize that, that now that we know that we have to be the hands and feet of Jesus and be like, okay, I'm going to get some calluses today. And I'm going to, I'm going to pray for those that offend me. or I'm going to pray for those that despitefully use me, or I'm going to be better. here. I'm going to pray for those that I don't even know. Now I'm not saying you being food giant and go to a stranger, like, Hey, how you doing? Come out. I'm not saying all that. Not saying, I mean, but you know, if, they, if they're if robbing the chicken, then you gotta do what you gotta do. But what I'm saying is, you know, you don't know everybody in Walmart. I know that's an understatement because I feel like when I go to Walmart, there's 12 people I know. I even told Kelsey, I said, I feel bad for you because I have to say the sentence all the time. Oh, I went to school no more. Oh, that's a cousin. It's always those, or better yet, oh, that was one of mom's kids. So most it's, uh, it's most of the time, it's those three sentences, school, cousin, or one of mom's kids. But at the end of the day, like, we have to be the hands and feet of Jesus because that is the only way this church is going to grow. But we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, not because we want to see the church grow, but because we want to see the town of Lexington changed for the glory of God. Because I'm pretty sure each and every one of us, and I'm I'm for real, I am closing with this. I'm sure we, we can think each and every one of us can think of somebody we know that is hurting, somebody that we know that life has just been dirty to them. I'm not saying that we have it all together because life has definitely done some not so nice things to us. But we never see Jesus focusing on himself. He always focused on everyone else. And I'm not saying that you had to put yourself um, third, fourth, fifth or last. You know, I'm not saying that you can't pay attention to your own mental health. What I'm saying is if we truly be like Jesus, thank you, baby, help me. If we truly be like Jesus and focus on someone else, you know who else is going to get taken care of? us. Jesus said if we put him first, everything else is going to be taken care of. Everything else is going to be taken care of. Because guess what? I'm going to remind you, I'm going to say this, and I'm done. I'm done. But we are conduits of Jesus. We are conduits of his transformation power. So therefore, if we are interceding for somebody, he is flowing through us to get to him or get to that other person. So as he's flowing through us, even though we're interceding for somebody else, still, It's coming through us. His healing power is coming through us in order to reach somebody else. So not only is that person getting blessed, but that means, think about it this way. We, back to the Sonic illustration. But if you're gonna drink a nice strawberry limeade from Sonic, the straw is the conduit. There's there's residue of the strawberries, of the drink within the straw. But my mouth, my body is the one that's receiving it. But the straw is receiving it as well. One of a good friend of mine said, you know, sometimes we need to be more like straws for Jesus. Not just focused on what God is doing for us, but we need to focus on and be available for God to do stuff through us. Lecenton as Leitzinton receives the glory of God. The church grows as a byproduct, but we have to make the conscious choice of if we are not advancing God's kingdom, what are we doing? If we're not, if we're not looking for people that are in need to help buy a meal, change a tire, um, you know, gift card. Pastor Lita said it last week. You will be surprised the little things that help. You'll be surprised the little things that help. It may be little to you, but it's bid to somebody else. It's bid to somebody else. And when they ask why you do it, we don't say, well, I'm doing it because I belong to this church. No, we say I do it because my life has been changed by Jesus. Let me tell you about him. Amen. Amen.